Check Me Out is made possible in part by a grant from Humanities Texas, the state affiliate of the National Endowment for the Humanities. I think it'd be really Richard, cool. if you want us to edit this part out, <laughs> just just in case you don't want to fall through, we can totally do that. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Welcome to Check Me Out, a podcast for book lovers. I'm Amy Hart, and this episode, we are calling it Gen Z to the Rescue. We are going to be talking about YA novels. Uh, with me is Hillary Holsey. Hello. And we have two guests today. I'm going to start with Andy. I'm Andy Parlow. I teach ESL at Tascosa High School here in Amarillo, and I am a reading warrior. And Richard. I'm Richard McGowan. I'm the librarian at Tascosa, and I wished I was the reading warrior that Andy is. We all do, Richard. <laughs> I love how Andy laughed at herself like that wasn't true <laughs> or something. It's not as true this year. Uh, you know what? You still hit, what, 100 books? That's sad for me. So, yeah. So you've hit about 100. Yeah. Man. Today we are going to talk about YA novels because I know both of you love YA. Um, you're around high school students all day. And I kind of, we decided we want to know what they're reading, things you might recommend, but also how the pandemic has kind of changed how students are reading. So we're going to start out with what type of books do you see your students reading throughout the pandemic? Um, if you have some examples, but how has it changed their reading styles? Andy, let's start with you. I think I'm seeing a lot of kids picking up novels. Graphic novels. Mm -hmm. Like kids that usually would read regular novels are gravitating to the graphic form more. I don't know why, but I mean, in my head, I kind of think it's more easily digestible for them right now. And everything is so hard, especially with school, you know, and, and just uncertainty with their families and what's going on and you know, just uncertainty in the world in general, I think has led them to this format that may be a little bit easier for them to take in, I guess, maybe. I was listening to Andy and I was sitting there thinking exactly how I would answer this. I actually think that reading is down a little. You might think during this time when we spent so much more time inside at home uh, that reading would be up, but I think it is down. And I think that uh, I don't have an exact answer for why. I do think Andy's right. I think graphic novels, I think manga is exceptionally popular right now. Yeah. Uh, I think anything that's fiction. Uh, we don't see a whole lot of nonfiction being checked out right now. I think anything that's escapism is a really uh, easy thing for kids to pick up and enjoy right now. Well, does that apply to both of you as well? I mean, I know I'm reading a lot less this year. How about... Both of you. I actually think mine is up this year. I don't remember if we've ever talked about this before, but uh, my reading had kind of plateaued for a while. I was on a, a committee, a statewide committee, where we were required to read mm -hmm. 250 plus books a year critically and write reviews. That kind of dampened my love for reading for a little while. The pandemic has actually brought that love back. I had more time to sit and enjoy and read and not have to think about it uh, during this time than I have before. So I, my reading is actually way up this year. And what type of, I mean, are you preferring fiction over nonfiction? 
Actually, no. I, I, you know what? It's just whatever catches my fancy. I've read all over the place. Well, never poetry, but I mean, besides <laughs> that, I've read all over the board recently. So let's rewind to March uh, when everything changed. Um, what was that like for you guys during the pandemic? Like, how did your job change? Richard, we'll start with you. It has, and it is still going on. It has been a challenge uh, getting all of the books that were out pre-shutdown of the school back in. Uh, it, it's not that the kids are trying to do anything bad or even adults are trying to do anything bad by not returning them. It's hard to remember in some cases where your library book was that you checked out in February of yeah. last year when you come back to school. And so we have put on a full court blitz trying to get those back because uh, it, while it may not seem like all that much when you add up the number of books that's out, it's a high number of dollars to replace those. Now, having said that, we're, we're seeing great success with kids bringing back things as we try to remind them more and more. So they haven't been able to check out books. Is that what I'm hearing? Oh, no, no, no. We are still allowing them to check out, but there are some books that on some kids, excuse me, that on their records, they have books that they checked out in February uh, that were just never returned when we came back to school. Okay. I'm sorry. I misunderstood you there. Um, that's, oh, no. it, that's, it was probably I can't me. imagine. Uh, what about you, Andy? How's it changed um, things for you? Well, so the last time they let me in my room, I went and loaded up like bags of books and converted the back of my car into like a mobile library. And for a while I would like put a, the books in a baggie. I took a picture of it in my Google classroom to all the kids. And, um, I would go and just deliver them in baggies to their doorstep. And then we got to the point where they didn't really want me to do that anymore. And so I just feel like we had a lot of kids go for a while without anything to read. And so I feel like this year especially has been kind of rediscovering what genres they like and, you know, how much time they actually have in their lives to read. Because the big change I've seen in a lot of my students is that they had to get jobs to help their families to make ends meet. And wow. they just don't have the time to really dedicate to reading as much. Mm -hmm. Andy is my hero. When she was planning on doing this, I was in awe. She was sending me pictures and keeping me updated through all of this. Uh, so she's, she's really a reading advocate. Uh, she's the best. I really had some, you could tell that they were relying on it. Like that getting books was like their favorite part of the day. Mm. So, yeah. Well, I got to see it firsthand and it was super impressive. <laughs> Your little car just loaded down with books. And um, did you have the same problem with Richard as far as getting them back? Yes. I've lost a lot of books. Well, over I have the like 15 year. of like, them. So you didn't lose that many. <laughs> I've, I've lost so many. You know, I always go back to, I think it's Pernell Rip that said that if you're not losing about a quarter of your classroom library every year, then you're not doing it right. Mm. So, you know, I'm okay with it. If that's the thing they're going to take, cool. Yeah. That's kind of my opinion, too. I mean, I hate that my library is down all of these titles, but if that's what got kids to read, well, 
then we we can work on getting the books back or or rebuilding that collection that we need to. I, I think that it is an acceptable thing to have kids have books during this trying time. Mm-hmm. It really excited me today because we were talking about how break is coming up on Friday. And I told them, I was like, if you want to get extra books and take them with you, you absolutely should. We don't know what's going to happen ever. And I had several of them today check out three titles to take into break with them. Wow. So that's I'm great. feeling good about that. Like, it's interesting that you say that, Andy, because this year we made a change at Tascosa where normally every library item is it has to be returned at the end of the semester so that we can work on obligation list and all the requirements. But that was one thing our administration said, let's not burden kids with that one extra thing this year. And we have seen a lot of kids visiting the library the last couple Aww. of days to check books in and out that we usually don't see. Absolutely. I love that. Mm. That's really cool. Do you think that, you know, I know you mentioned graphic novels. I mean, do you think that reading is just helping them? Is it therapy for them? You said escapism. Are you seeing changes in them after you've kind of, you know, loaned them books? And I mean, are they responsive to it? Yeah, I mean... My kids do stuff in class around what they're reading independently. So we have lit circle days where they get in groups and they discuss like their books. So they talk about their main characters and they talk about the themes that are running into. And so they have these really nice conversations about what they're reading. And, um, you know, I just I mean, they've been doing a really good job. Now, one thing I have seen that's interesting is the amount of abandoning books is higher Mm. than I think Mm. I've ever seen. But I don't think that that's necessarily bad. I think, like I said, it's reconnecting with genres that I like or they like. And I think that it's a learning process again. Mm-hmm. Same. <laughs> Seriously, like yeah. how, what do I actually like to read now? Like, mm-hmm. has that changed? Like, I feel like for some of them, it maybe has. Mm-hmm. Richard, are you seeing um, a response in the students? Uh, yes. Uh, You know, one of the things I was sitting here, and this is kind of not answering your questions, but one of the (laughs) things that I really hated, I know, that I hated about this year is that when we returned to school, normally I have a library orientation and every freshman comes to the library and I talk about things. I do book talks and get them excited about the books and we do the rules and those kind of things. And then after that happens, I cannot usually keep those books in the library for the rest of the year. And that, you know, that changes each year, just depending on which books I use. There are a couple of titles that I do every year. And then I try to include something new. And so this year, I didn't get to do that. So those book talks are really important. I really wish that we had had those because I think that those are the kind of things that kids respond to. I I really love when kids kind of stick with the book. I know I'm in the minority here. (laughs) It just happens that every once in a while, when you stick with the book, when you do not give up on it, if you don't think it's your first, that sometimes you can strike gold and find something that's really good that just took a while to get started. And so I, I am seeing them engage and I am seeing them maybe participate the ones that are, but I really wish sometimes that we would not have that giving up on books quite as soon as we did. I 
got all the way away from the initial question. I'm sorry. No, not at all. I think that's it's an important thing to have. And and you're right. I think I am a bitter ender, y'all, um, to a fault. And there are times that I'm like, I have wasted way too much time on this book. Um, and so I think sometimes, especially during the pandemic, I have been quick to say, I don't need this right now. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to come back to it later. But maybe in this moment, my headspace is not there. Um, I tried to read a self-help book early on, and that was so weird because I was like, <laughs> self-help for what? We're going to be standing in a bread line eventually. You know, it was like my anxiety went crazy and I was like, this is not where I need to be. And so that's actually when Andy came by, brought the mobile library. I picked out a bunch of YA. So I've read a ton of YA this year and it's that happy feel good that I needed. Well, some of it is. Some of it is. What I got from you was, yeah. you know. But that's what you wanted. Yes. You specifically told me you were looking for books that would be uplifting. Yes. Good stories. So Fun, not yeah. taking themselves too seriously. Nothing super tragic. Um, the progression of YA over the years. Like, kind of where did it start? Where is it at now? And where do you think it's going? Especially since the pandemic, how is that going to influence what people are writing about, you think? Well, it was the Outsiders, wasn't I it? I think so. Mm-hmm. That's what I have always understood is that The Outsiders was like the first big YA book that came out. And then how do you think... That seems right to me. That's right. That is right. Okay. It is the first really considered the first. So when one. we were growing up, like, what do you consider YA? Like the Babysitters Club? I mean, what was, what were the YA books of the 80s, 90s and early 2000s? Well, I don't think they were called YA. I think they I, were. And I think that's the problem. Yeah. yeah. So they it wasn't really hidden. defined. And so where do you see it right now? I mean, what was it? It was like, okay, so if we're looking at the past, we were Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, mm, yeah. um, Babysitter's Club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so kind of mystery meets feel good. And I feel mm-hmm. like we weren't really talking about real issues a lot no. of times, right? Um, where now I feel like that is happening. Oh, yeah. Because Richard and I just talked about this the other day, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you talk yes. about it now? Yes, we want to hear. <laughs> I was just sitting here thinking that I I can't remember what my high school library had. They didn't have some special area that was just like why, but it just seemed to me like they just had classics, non-fiction, all joking aside. Yes, that was a long time ago. So (laughs) maybe I'm just not remembering classics and then some fantasy novels. I mean, I, I don't remember a whole lot. I think about my I mean, I went to River Road. I think about our library. And it was a place that I didn't visit often at all because I didn't feel like it was worth looking at because I felt the same way. It was a lot of classics. It was a lot of required readings that were things that I wasn't interested in. Um, reference books. Reference like books. Reference books. Yeah. Not the wazoo. Yeah. yeah. That's really dating us, Andy. <laughs> That's what I remember, though. It was just encyclopedias. encyclopedias and, <laughs> yeah. you know, like motorcycle manuals. Facts on file. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So where do you think that it's going to go after the pandemic? Oh, I think it's just going to keep getting more real is what I I see. That's kind of what I think. I think that there is little difference between young adult and just general fiction now. 
It is. Mm-hmm. It just happens to have main characters that are a little bit younger. I, I I don't have a problem at all just classifying my young adult as general fiction because it fits right in. Uh, when you talk about not liking your library, that's been a main focus of mine since I've been at Tascosa. We have, over the last 10 years, made dramatic changes in the way the library looks. All of that mm. designed so that we get kids in the room. If I can get them in the room, then maybe they'll want to pick up a book or maybe they'll talk to me and I can recommend a book. Uh, I don't think that that has always been the case with with those other libraries. You should have seen that. When I first started, it looked like a library that had been designed in 1959. And I, I at least hope that that is not the case nowadays. So what specifically did you do? Like, oh, a lot. what are some of the changes? <laughs> yeah, you would, yeah, you would have had to have seen it. Everything was stark white. It, the furniture was, it looked like it had been picked up just piecemeal here and there, maybe at a garage sale. I, <laughs> I really am being serious when I say that. It There was no coordination between what has happened. And so we ripped out the old uh, circulation desk, which was in the middle of the floor and it looked like a tank and it was, it was old. And we put in wood flooring mm-hmm. and cafe tables that have power to them. Uh, we painted some better colors. I I know this sounds like not much, but the change was dramatic. And we've just recently weeded uh, about 6,000 old titles from the library, and we're getting rid of some of the shelves and opening up the area a little bit more and adding more youth-friendly furniture. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. It. I just remember it being very beige. Like, (laughs) to me, that was... If you asked me to describe the library pre-McGowan, it was beige. (laughs) (laughs) And it was dirty. It felt dirty. (laughs) I I agree. Uh, I think. And it it wasn't. It's not that it was. It just, it looked like it was from 1959 when the school was built. Well, and if it's not inviting in any sort of way um, to you and you work there, it's like, of course, the students aren't going to want to go there. You know, I might be misremembering this. And of course, when I was your student, I was a lot. It was like elementary school. But I seem to remember them building the reading pit or changing the carpet or doing something different with the South Georgia Library while I was there. And the reading pit was awesome. So I think changes like that that make kids want to, you know, go sit in a pit and read with your friends or listen to your librarian read. I, I think stuff like that really does matter. So that's awesome. I'm glad that you've made that kind I of change. I wish I had the numbers here. When we did this, we had a different principal at that time, but we kept track of the difference in student drop-ins, not class attendance, but actual student drop-ins for any reason the year before and then when it happened to the year after. And the change was dramatic. I mean, dramatic, like 25% difference, which which was big. And consequently, our circulation numbers went way up too. And they've actually gone up every year since that time. I always think like our boss always says this in almost every meeting that your classroom is the most important place on campus. And I thoroughly agree with that because if you're if your space doesn't reflect your values and what you teach then how do you expect kids to get on board? And I think the library is a really good example of that. 
if it doesn't feel inviting, if it doesn't feel youthful, if it doesn't feel like this is a good place for you to hang out, Mm -hmm. they're not going to come. Oh, I totally agree with that. You know, we've done three remodels at FM90 over the past few years. I know it's not a library, but it wasn't exciting. You know, people would come by and see it and it was like sad, you know, because it hadn't been remodeled in 25 plus years, almost 30 years. And I think sometimes it's just showing that the students are worth it. You know, it's it's you know, the books are great, but they're worth it. And hopefully that will draw them in to to reading more and that it's a cool place to be, not just torture, you know, (laughs) because I felt that way about our library at River Road. It was like they tried to make it okay, but there was just not. And that's the other thing. There's usually not money in the budget to make it better. So I'm sure a lot of that comes out of your pockets. Yeah. Well, I know it does Andy's. <laughs> well, I was actually just fixing yeah. to say that. Uh, it's not that, you know what? I have some incredibly supportive bosses, both on the campus level and at the district level, people that understand the value of a certified librarian and a library to student success. Even having said that, boy, it's hard when you say, hey, I want to redo this part of the library and you start pricing it and it's, I'm making this number up, (laughs) $35,000. If they have $35,000 to spruce up the library or do Mm -hmm. other things, oftentimes they're going to say, Maybe we should do other things. So it requires fundraising. It requires other efforts. It is so worth it, though. That is not a knock on my boss. I really am (laughs) telling you, I have some of the best that they really support. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. Well, I'm glad that it's remodeled now and it's, you know, you're seeing basically a return on your investment as far as, you know, students coming in and enjoying it. And that's Amazing. I love and that. Andy's classroom always looks very cool in pictures. I've never mm-hmm. seen it in person, but there's, there's um, a lot I, going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the same thing applies, teach. though. Yeah. 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 There's a lot I, going on. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot going on. Um, <laughs> I really like that because I started last year and then we're still doing it this year. Because I keep in my room a space where I put the covers of the books that I finished reading, and then I give them a ranking, zero to 10. And um, some of the kids will figure out that they read like I do, like they like the same content I do. And so they can go look at that and go pick a book from there. And then I started doing that with them. And so in their little lit circles, they have a space on a poster in the room, and they tell me when they get a new book, and I print the cover for them, and they go glue it on their poster. And... I think them having that very visual piece really helps them to really internalize how much they're actually reading and thinking and learning. I mean, because in my room, I tell them, you read because it makes you a better person. You don't read for a test. You don't read so that you can pass a class. You read because it makes you empathetic and it makes you... It makes you a better human being, and that's what we need. I wish a teacher would have told me that. I mean, nobody told me that. (laughs) Amy, when we were we we spoke to some other teachers for a different podcast. Um, They uh, one of the the teachers represented Storybridge, and um, Mm -hmm. we were talking about what a and I really mean nothing by this, Mister McGowan, because I know you were just part of the system. (laughs) (laughs) And we did actually speak highly of you in the podcast. You'll have to listen. Um, 
But we talked about like the shame surrounding accelerated readers uh, for that that particular program and how like all the weird incentives like eating on the stage with your principal (laughs) because you had like 100 AR points or whatever Um, and how bad the other kids must have felt. And I'm so glad there are people like y'all that are really trying to change that kind of dynamic. I got to tell you a story. Jojo, my youngest daughter... Holds the record for AR points at her elementary school. Are you ready? 425 in a one year. Wow. That is some brutal work (laughs) right there. That is. I was very into it. (laughs) There's a plaque. There's a plaque. (laughs) I... I do a little bit of stuff, but I don't like to do the read and reward system. It bothers me. Like, I want kids to learn that your own reward is intrinsic. Like, you're getting a reward from reading a story. So, like, if I can't travel to Sudan, I can read Long Walk to Water. Right. And I can feel like I'm there. And I can understand the plight of somebody who has to walk half a day to get water, you know. Um, and that's what I want my kids to get. Now I do a couple of incentives in my room. Like when they're done reading books, they fill out a little card and put it in a box. I used to draw every six weeks, but I'm just going to do it per semester this year. And I'll draw four names out and I'll buy them a book. Oh, that's awesome. And then, um, I do a reward at the end of the school year for the two kids who have read the most pages. So that's what I do. Yeah. Because I have kids that read so many graphic novels, but they don't typically have as many pages Mm -hmm. as like a novel novel. And so I have some kids that are just finishing maybe their second book, but it's 400 pages long. Mm -hmm. Whereas I have somebody who's blown through 15 graphic novels already. Mm -hmm. I remember reading the book Homecoming (laughs) because it was so long and it was worth like... 20 AR points or something like that. <laughs> and I remember being in the middle of this. I'm like, I don't care about this character, Dicey or whatever the, I don't know. I'm like, what is this? And I I, I, I can't believe I stuck with that whole book, but I, I, I remember, I remember kids trying to read Gone with the Wind. Oh no. What I'm saying is I think yeah, that incentive or not incentive, but the, the the practice of telling you they're reading a book and you printing it off and then they get to rate it or rank it or whatever. Yeah. I think there's like a different kind of pride or like just something psychologically that happens when you're mm-hmm. able to say I read this and this is what I thought of it rather than I don't know, read Gobble of Fire because it's so long and then go take a test. <laughs> so and they become they become experts. Like today, this really cool thing happened. One girl grabbed her friend and drug her to her poster and showed her. She said, you need to get that one. You'll love that book. Aww. And that's what that's, that's what we want to see, I think. I think that it's it's important that they see those things that other people are reading so that they feel comfortable trying those anything for themselves we just started this year i mean this is brand new i've changed it twice only uh, i redesigned the the library web page and we put a thing on there that says what we're reading and oh. the staff has mm. a little thing for as many of the staff that want to put uh, their reading choice in there and it just scrolls the whole time if you're on the library web page it's got a picture of the book and a little description so that kids can understand and see oh look this teacher that i really love 
Mrs. Schrader, she's been in some of the mm-hmm. podcasts with us. Oh, look, Mrs. Schrader is reading the new Ken Follett book. Maybe I should read that too because I really like uh, what she talks about in class. I, That's one of the I things we're doing. I want to see you push up farther because we have all these TVs everywhere now. Why are we not recording book talks? Ooh. Mm. Come on, Richard, push it. Love that. <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm sitting here thinking, great, Andy. That's a great I'll idea. Do one immediately tomorrow. <laughs> Boom, making it happen. We You've already just, got content. I think the problem. <laughs> I think that that's not a bad idea. I think I can see some technical issues, but okay, let's. let's I think yes. if you kept them short and had them play, I think that could be really cool. Like, I think it'd be Richard, really cool. if you want us to edit this part out, <laughs> just just in case you don't want to fall through. We can totally do that. I I do. I think it would be a neat thing. Like, I mean, there's some teachers in our school that I've noticed have even gone so far as to post things outside their door about what they're reading. I'm thinking of like, um, Cassandra Harris, Cassandra Harris. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just think that would be such a good visual way. I think for kids to really see that this is a campus that values reading. Mm -hmm. Like that's what we need. We need kids to see that the library, the classroom, all across the board, we value you being a reader. Like, Y'all are making me want to do it this on my office door. Me too. <laughs> I really do. I, think it's a I, great idea. I do too. Yeah. Nobody sees yeah. my office door, but I'm doing but it. But hey, <laughs> but it you actually, see it. <laughs> I'll say, it look. actually was Cassandra Harris that gave me the idea because of her book thing that is posted outside of her of her door. And I will tell you an interesting thing about Cassandra is that three years ago, maybe maybe I'm wrong on my timeline, but just about then, she was a non-reader. And she what? just, she mm-hmm. just decided I am going yeah. to be a reader. And now, and she reads some incredible stuff. I mean, like some hard books and, and she's passionate about yes. them. She is one of the greatest teachers you will ever meet. Uh, Isn't it? And she's passionate about she her really subject. Is. And so she reads a lot of science things. Uh, it is an in- awe-inspiring thing to see. I think we interviewed her not long ago about the Snack Pack for Kids uh, initiative, um, the Rebel Rack yes. and all of that. Uh, yes. And she seems like such a great person. Absolutely, yeah. Richard, am I wrong? But she just read To Kill a yeah, Mockingbird. Yes, yeah, she's read several. I'm trying to think. of. She just read another classic. Wow. That I can't remember. <laughs> And we were all giving her such a hard time because we we're like, how are you the age you are? And you've never read this. Like 1984 oh, wow. was the one that really stood out to me. And she read it and she was like, I don't know if I should have read this book <laughs> yeah, right now. That book becomes more relevant with each passing day somehow. <sighs> yes, um, it does. Yeah. So maybe this would be a good time. Oh, she just read. Go ahead. The Catcher in the Rye, because we had a big discussion about it. Because I'm not a gigantic catcher in the Rye fan, and she liked it a lot. Mm. She liked it. So, I mean, it's so cool to see her evolution as a reader, because she just didn't like it. And now she's an inspiration. So, I mean, it's pretty awesome. What started that for her? Do you know? Uh, Do you know? I have asked her, and I can't remember. She she posted something on Facebook about it a few years ago that someone asked her about something and she realized she hadn't read it. And I think she just had an epiphany, you know, I I think that's what happened because I remember her posting something about it. And then the next thing I knew she was on Goodreads looking for stuff like, yeah, 
You know, speaking of Goodreads, as silly as it is, the past two years since I put that on my phone, I have read probably double the books that I read before I had it. Absolutely. Because I can see it. I set a goal. (laughs) for every year. I'll look at it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm two books behind. I got to get on it, you know? (laughs) So as silly as it is, Goodreads has helped me so much. So I'm going to send Goodreads some love because they, I mean, I know that's, it's silly to, I don't know. I'd never kept really, I'd never kept track of what I was reading. And so I wasn't reading very much at all. Um, But I love it. It's one of my favorite I wanted my kids to have one. But they can't have it at school, so... Oh, really? No. I really like that it is, Mm. and in general, of course, there can be trolls on every website. But these people that are on Goodreads, for the most part, are people just like you and I that are reading because they want to read. And so their reviews tend to hold a little more weight than other commercial sites. I don't know if you remember this, Richard, but I messaged you a long time ago about a book that I read. And you're like, I'm going to look into it, but we couldn't figure out what it was. I told them the vague stuff that I told you, and I'm telling you, there was like a 50-person search for this book on Goodreads. It was uh, Purlue the Bold, and I was so happy that Goodreads helped me out. So it's it seems like a really solid community wow. of people that just truly want to talk about books yeah. and And, and I love seeing what all my friends are reading yeah. and their reviews on it. I really do. What have we had to do differently? Because I didn't talk about, like, Richard, do kids just come in the library and pick out a book still and touch things? <laughs> well, that, that actually is a really good question. That we have changed what we allow right now. Because of the the pandemic, we don't want kids touching eight hundred books. I mean, I hate the, <laughs> mm-hmm. I hate that. I want you to come in and I want you to look through those stacks and I want you to pick up a book and touch it and look at the cover and read the the excerpt and see if it's what you want to read and then put it back. And so we've had to lower the number of kids that are allowed to be in the library. That means you have less time to look. And so they're they're not the numbers that we would like. There are fewer kids coming in this year than in previous years. Yeah, because I don't one thing I didn't talk about that I've had to do, because I can't have them fiddling around in the bookcases. I made like because we use a learning management system and on my home pages for each class there's a link and it takes you to a page which is done by genre. So I took the books that were most checked out of my room over the last year or two, and I I made charts with them. So you have the cover, you have a link to a book trailer or talk, and then you have the back of the book. So my kids, when they want a book, that's what they do. They go there, and then they bring me their Chromebook and say this one, and I go get it for them. So I was just thinking about that, though, because you asked that question, what's different? And that's definitely different. That's cool that you took the time to to do that, though. That, to me, was more important than yeah. setting up a lot of my class structure. So Well, and that's why we changed the library webpage, too. We made... Yeah. The search feature is when you log into my new webpage, the search feature is what you see. Mm. And so that way mm-hmm. kids can look and try to explore a little bit before they come down to the library. They would have a little better understanding of what is available mm-hmm. before they come down. So that's that's oh. very different. Well, in the ebooks. Oh, oh, I forgot. <laughs> I was gonna say that. Yes, we implemented <laughs> ebooks. That's a brand new thing. 
And it's it's slow to take off. I think this would have changed had I been able to do my library orientation at the start of the year. But uh, we just sent out a video to all of Tascosa students and parents where I walked kids through it and we're seeing an uptick in uh, the checkouts because it's so convenient with every student having a Chromebook. All they have to do is check it out and then they can read it on their Chromebook. They could do it on their phone as well, but they always have those that Chromebooks. That is awesome. That's really yes. cool. Best reads of 2020. What were your favorite YA I knew you were gonna ask novels this. that you that you read? <laughs> I um, knew you were gonna do so, this. <laughs> so I want to hear from both of you. I have some uh, recommendations as well, and mainly, I, well, Andy gave them all to me. So whoever wants to start, Andy, you ready? I'm looking through my list. I I will go tell ahead, you, you. I've go. got one right ready. No, if you're you not ready. Okay, so I have been working my way through the Tayshos list, which is a book. Uh, a list that is put out aimed at young adults. And the new list just came out. Our current library director is on, was on the committee. And so I had her recommendations for a couple of things. And we got some books in over. She gave us some of the high school librarians. When you're on one of those committees, you get a lot of free books. And she gave us some of the books. And I picked one up at random that was not a book I would ever, <laughs> ever pick out on my own. And it's called Layover Land. And it is about a girl who is killed within the first like three pages of the book. She is killed. And when she dies, she sees she's in an auto accident. I'm not, I'm not running the book for you. She's in an auto accident. She sees the guy that runs into her and kills her. Next thing you know, she wakes up and she's in an airplane and, and she's like, I don't know what's going on because she doesn't realize she's died. And she comes to figure out that she's in purgatory oh. and it is an airport. <laughs> and you have to earn your way to heaven. If you're reading this for religious st- dogma, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> but you should remember it is fiction. But uh, you have, she has to save all these people, help them figure out why they did not go straight to heaven and who is her first assignment but the boy that ran into her. Oh, wow. And it, it becomes a little bit of a, a romance story that is really good. Aww. I mean, I really, really enjoyed it. And it's called Layover Land by Gabby Noon. Now, like I said, though, if you're reading it and, and you're going to be upset if it's got some religious things that are not quite accurate, uh, you might want to pass this book okay. over. Thanks for the that's warning. Okay. Such a great read. I'm writing that down. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. I think if I'm picking something from this year that's monumental and needed, it's stamped by um, it's Jason Reynolds and I think his name is Ibram Kendi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. and how to be an anti-racist. It, it's called Stamped. Um, Ibram Kendi wrote like an adult book called Stamped from the beginning. Jason Reynolds and him got together and made a young adult version of that. And it is a pivotal piece of literature, I believe, for everyone to read because it very well addresses the ideas of racism from pretty much the beginning of the U.S. to now. And I think for kids today, um, the kids I have that have read it loved it and said that it really changed the way they saw a lot of things. They understood things better. So Mm. I would say that if I'm picking a fiction book, it's Clap When You Land, which is... um, Say that. Say that one more time, Andy. Clap When You Land. It's 
okay. Elizabeth Acevedo. And if you want something on audiobook, it is beautifully done because she does one voice and she has another woman doing another voice. It's about two girls. One's, I believe, in New York. One is in the Dominican Republic. Their father spends time between both places, but they don't know about each other. And he dies in an airplane crash. And mm. it's them discovering each other, them trying to, you know, navigate their grief. It's, it is a beautifully written book. It is gorgeous. Nice. Yeah. Great recommendations. It's, oh, it's so good. It's like if we go back to your question earlier about what is it doing now? What is YA doing now? You have books like Grown. You have books like Stamped. You have books like um, Trans X. Mm. All or trans plus, those are all books that are dealing with things that kids have been experiencing for eons. And we've been ignoring the fact that kids are experiencing that. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think YA is going. So I'm just going to name off some of the ones that Andy brought to me and that I loved. <laughs> um, obviously, any of the Julie Murphys. I think they're so fun. Oh, Dumplin, Puddin, uh, uh, Faith Taking Flight. And she is starting to get into queer characters mm -hmm. and bisexual, you know, trying to figure out their sexuality. So, yeah, it's starting to kind of address those same issues. Obviously, I love Savvy. I don't know if that's kind of a kid's book, though, but it's, I, it is, it is, I loved it. It is aimed at a lower level. I don't care. It oh, is fun. A, a book that every age level can enjoy. It I would also, be middle grade, right? Okay, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I finally read Ghost by Jason Reynolds, oh, and I need the rest of the series now so because good. that book is phenomenal. I loved the To Kill a Mockingbird graphic novel mm -hmm. by Fred Fordham. Oh, my gosh. I flew through that in a day. It was um, one of my favorite things. I also read the Jenny Han trilogy <laughs> of To All the Boys I've Loved Before. I think, is she doing another one, too? Maybe. If you like that, you need to read, um, it's called American Panda. Oh, okay. Really, I, I've, those really were they're good. kind of like romancy, you mm -hmm. know, um, but I enjoyed it. I don't know. Is Nick and Nora considered YA? I, I would think so. so. Yeah. Idiot. Okay. Um, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Loved that. And then um, I think that's it for now. But and then I just read another one, but it's not YA, but it was wonderful um, that Andy recommended. There's so many books. Like if I look at my picture, I took a picture of my wall before I left. A book that left me absolutely speechless for days. And I posted about it on Facebook. I just, it it got me. And it's not new, but it's called Dig. And it's by um, A.S. King. Unbelievable piece of literature. Like, it deals with poverty and racism and death. And she is one of those craftsmen that can, like, pull all of those characters and themes together at the end. And it's, it is... A phenomenal piece of literature as well. She's that way when you go to listen to her speak. She has yeah. you within the first sentence. And before Ugh. you know it, an hour's mm. over with. And you're just like a puddle of... of <laughs> what, yeah. what even happened? <laughs> but that was really good. And then there's another one called... It's a middle grade book from the desk of Zoe Washington. Mm. And that one is really good. And it's about... You know, and it is what we need. It is literature about this amazing black kid who wants to be a chef 
and she doesn't, she's not coming from poverty. She's not failing all her classes. She's not your stereotype. You know what I mean? They have a nice life and a nice house with good jobs. And here she is. She's a normal little black girl who wants to do this, but her dad happens to be in prison. And it's about her figuring out their relationship and what she's going to do moving forward, talking to him and stuff like that. It's really good. Andy and I were just talking. I have another book. Uh, I think that this was last year. I can't remember. It may be a little bit longer that Andy pushed (laughs) me to read a book that I, I don't know that I would have read that when I initially finished it, I don't think I appreciated it as much as I do now, and it's growing on me, and that's The Patron Saints of Nothing. Isn't that right, Andy? Isn't that the, the title? Mm-hmm. That is, yes. It, it uh, is beautiful. a pretty good book, yeah. It really is. It has some weighty issues. Mm-hmm. And, and weighty when, you're, issues. when you're addressing diversity, which we're really actually, the librarians at AISD are looking at pretty strongly right now, making sure we have diversity in our collection that one's a great one i mean you could have that in all the all the high school library I, that it was a really good one yeah randy ribay i think is the author on that yes one. that's the, that's right what are some of the graphic novels that your students are you know reading I right now before i do that i have to give nods to you because amy you told me to read daisy jones and the six. Oh, i love that book <laughs> that was a and great book. <laughs> that was back in February, but holy crap, that was a good oh, book. Oh, it's so like, fun. It's oh. it's like Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> like in yeah, fiction. I was about to say, yeah. if you I, like Fleetwood Mac, you I should just read it. Me like too. Yeah. It was so I read it well in two done. or three days and and that's super fast for me. I'm a slow, slow reader. I could not put mm-hmm. it down. I've also heard that the audiobook on that is phenomenal. Oh, but that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Loved it. Um so graphic novel wise. Well, you know, last year you had a book called New Kid by Jerry Craft, and it was the first graphic novel to receive the Newbery. And he has a sequel out now called Class Act, Mm. and it's quite good. I don't know. It's hard for me to tell, like, new, new ones. I have a whole list from NCTE, but... (laughs) Well, I I was going to ask you, um, because of the pandemic, you did a lot of things um, as far as you know, you weren't able to go to any conferences, but you were able to join a lot of um, meetings with authors and people like that. Talk about Trevor Noah, yeah, right? That was that was actually a conference. <laughs> it was just uh, virtual. And that's NCTE, which is the National Council of Teachers of English. And um, I will say some of the, I did do a graphic novel session in that. And some of the ones that they told us about, I have them on a list. Um, Octavia Butler, they made a graphic novel out of Kindred. Mm. Yes. And they said that kids eat it up. Um, There's a lot of graphic novels being written about indigenous people. So there's a series called Surviving the City that's supposed to be quite good. There is a book out right now that is getting a lot of acclaim, and it's a graphic novel called Flamer by Mike Corrado, and it's it's very high up on the list of things you need to read. They really like Cardboard Kingdom and Last Pick. Those are series. And uh, Brightly Woven has been made into a graphic novel, um, and I don't know if you know much about that book, but that is a book that's middle grade, I believe, and deals a lot with trans and LGBT issues. Mm. So. And that's a, is that yeah. a graphic novel as well? Yes. It was a novel first, but they just brought out the graphic novel format. Okay. Long Way Down has been made into a graphic novel. Oh, and I want to see that. <laughs> it is beautifully done. It is beautiful. 
So, oh lord, I hated that book. <gasps> I am very much in the minority, what? but the what ending it? just ticked me off. It's so you good. That's the the ending point. ticked me off. <laughs> That's the oh point. Oh my gosh, I hate. Well, I don't want to give anything. Where I hated the way it ended. Uh, I shouldn't have said I hate the book. It actually was a good book, but I wanted to throw Richard's it across the room. Hot takes. Done. Um, hot takes with Richard. That's your new podcast. And I, I will say this: I've I've encouraged a lot of people to read March, the March series, which I I'm surprised how many people don't know about it. But that is, um, it was written by John Lewis about his life, and he worked with an oh. illustrator. So there's a series of three of them. And then I think they got one done called um, Run before he passed away. Mm. So um, I think our, our test coordinator has those right now. So <laughs> they're really, really good. And there's a big push right now in graphic novels to do the classics, updated versions mm-hmm. of yes. the classics graphic novel mm-hmm. format, which is a great way to get kids to read those. I, I am not a gigantic fan of Beowulf, but the graphic novel is pretty good. Well, you like Beowulf? I love Beowulf. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, I can only take so much of Grendel and his mother. I'm so sorry. Um, going along with that, that To Kill a Mockingbird, I've had a lot of kids get through that graphic novel and love that story. Whereas if I had put the novel in their hand, they wouldn't have gotten past what Richard calls the great first oh, 20 God. pages. Um <laughs> 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 but yeah, mm. there's one called uh, Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy. Little that's women. Yeah. a new rendering of Aww. Little Women, and it's really good. You're right. There's a lot of them that are classics that are being made into graphic novels. I would right rather, I, I mean, me personally, I would rather go down the graphic novel path with a lot of those classics. So I know, you know, younger students are going to love them yeah. because I, there's times that I'm just like, this seems daunting to try to sort through a lot of this. Um, and sometimes the language, it's just harder because if it's, if it's older language, some of the stuff I'm like, I don't know what that means, you know, even yeah. as a grown up, So I can't imagine that they do. Um, but I think having it in graphic novel form and, and getting to see exactly what they're talking about, I think that's such a great idea. Well, and I also think that it's, it's frustrating. I had, I'm not going to mention names or anything, but I had somebody for me their graphic novels that they got in our adoption recently and and the statement was made that they're they just want their kids reading something more complex and I went whoa whoa, whoa. and she, the person looked at me and I said look in that bookcase over there I have a graphic novel all about a kid whose mom is addicted to drugs so he has to go live with his grandparents and he has severe depression and I'm like, there's graphic mm. novels over there about slavery. There's graphic novels over there about accepting who you are because you're you're gay and you're not ready to do it yet. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, don't tell me those books aren't complex. I mean, <laughs> the whole series of Amulet is about a girl sacrificing her life to save her family. Like, mm. no, no, yeah. you're just <laughs> as complex. The, the very fact that you <laughs> are trying to convey whole pages of thought in two or three thought bubbles by definition makes Mm -hmm. it harder to write that way. So it's more complex. I know I'm frustrated by that. Well, it's still back to literacy and promoting it. And if that's what they like and they, like you said, if they read 15 graphic novels in the time Mm -hmm. it would have taken them to read two and they're absorbing all that information, I think that's what's important. It's a, it's a multitude of stories too, like uh, across different genres and across on, you know, themes that are totally unrelated. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they're really getting to me, I would love to teach a class that's only about graphic novel. It would, it would make me very happy in my soul. 
You should do a continuing. Well, maybe you should. <laughs> but I mean, literally 15 times the empathy. I mean, that's what we're Absolutely. talking about. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Any other um, things well, you'd like to recommend? I have just read it, and it just is not because I'm a sports fan, but there are a couple of sports books on the Tayshaw's list that I've, you know what, actually I did. I started with the ones I thought I was going to like the least, and then I worked my way towards the ones I like the best. And there are a couple (laughs) of really good sports books, one called Cracking the Bell, which it took me to the end to like this book. It's about a kid that gets a concussion and it football is his way out. Mm. And it's about him struggling, trying to decide whether he continues to play. And at first, man, you don't like him and he's, he's not good. And by the end, I really liked the kid. I thought that was good. And I mean, the process of reading golden arm, which is about a baseball player who lives on the wrong side of the tracks and he gets the opportunity to go to a school. In, I think it's in Seattle. Oh no, it's definitely in Seattle. That is on the other <laughs> side of town where the kids have all the equipment and it, it would mean leaving his family behind basically. And it is really pretty good. I think, you know, nonfiction wise, there's some pretty good stuff out. Um, there's a lot of really good memoirs out. One that really stood out to me this year was um, Ordinary Hazards by Nikki Grimes. And it's told in verse and it's about her life. And she's been through a lot of abuse. So it is a hard book to read, but it is an important book, I believe. And then there is, um, it's in verse and it's called The Snow Fell Three Graves Deep. And it is Voices from the Donner Party. And it is pretty cool. Like, they give the snow a voice, mm. which is kind of neat. So there's a lot of, like, non-fictive books that are out. Like, those, this book is anti-racist is a big one. Um, everything you ever wanted to know about being an Indian but were afraid to ask. That's a really good one. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. So many books on my list now. So thank you all for that. There's thank some you deep, guys. deep work being done within the YA genre right now mm-hmm. like yeah heartfelt work well yeah and, and i mean we think about you know how helpful these books would have been to us when we were in high school and junior high and uh-huh. i mean yeah it's it's like i'm really excited for students to be able to have these resources and to know that they're not alone and to know that if they're different that's okay um because i think that would have probably changed all of our lives everybody on this podcast right now. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think kids, younger people are more perceptive to new ideas and change. And so when we get those ideas into YA literature, we may be making a bigger change than we think we do, because by the time you're my age, most people are pretty set in their ways and they're not going to change. I agree. (laughs) Of course, that's only 25. I know. I was about to say that that part of your your brain or whatever, that your head that's soft, it finally just like it, it got 25 short years. Yes. Well, thank you both again. I always love having you on. And yes, uh, what a you're, great conversation. You're always welcome back. And thank you for all the hard work you're doing to promote literacy and to help your students find stuff that they're really passionate about reading and, and telling them that's okay. Whatever it is that they love reading, that it's okay. So thank no, you thank both you guys, again. Because your podcast promotes literacy thank too. you it's always a great time well we'll see y'all next season then
Finding Out is recorded in the FM90 and Panhandle PBS studios on the Washington Street campus of Amarillo College. The show is produced by Hillary Halsey and me, Amy Hart. Big thank yous to Colin Lutz, Jake Day for being our editor, Stevie Brashears for designing our logo, and the Mag7 for providing music. Check us out on Facebook. And make sure you hit subscribe wherever you may be listening.